Christ is the light of the world. Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening. Let your light scatter the darkness. Just wake 
psalm for this evening is Psalm 32, and we will read it responsibly. Happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven, and whose sin is put away. Happy are they. While I held my tongue, my bones withered away because of my groaning all day long. For your hand was heavy upon me, day and night. My voice was dried up as soon as it was Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave me the guilt of my sin. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Do not be like horse or mule, which have no understanding, who must be fitted with bit and bridle, or else they will not stay near you. Be glad, you righteous, and rejoice in the Lord. Shout for joy, all who are true of heart. Well, tonight we're looking at the question uh, that Luther puts in the Catechism, which is, what is confession? Uh, so, a little background, because uh, confession to us is kind of an odd, an odd thing to put in between baptism and communion. But that's what Luther does in the Catechism. And 
the early Lutherans often considered confession to be like kind of the third sacrament. Or sometimes it was said that the church had two and a half sacraments, a baptism, communion, and confession. Uh, but Luther is going to frame confession in such a way uh, that it is going to point back to our baptism. And so typically Lutherans now talk about confession uh, in terms of their baptism. Confession is a kind of return to the promises that were made to you at your baptism. Um, so tonight, the way I kind of want to talk about it, I'm going to first start with scripture. Where do we get this idea of confession uh, and what the church's role in confession and forgiveness is? And then from there, we'll read the questions that Luther poses in the catechism about confession. Uh, then I'll talk a little bit about what that means, and then I'll talk a little bit about what happened to confession in Lutheran churches, uh, especially what happened to individual confession, uh, why it has it become so foreign to us. And then I want to look in our hymnal at the end and actually look at the service of individual confession as it's printed in our, in our hymnal so that you see it, uh, and how if you ever made use of confession, uh, how that would go. Uh, so that's kind of the outline of what I want to get to tonight. So I want to start with reading from the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, and then verses 19 through 23. Uh, so this is post-Easter. This is Jesus, after his resurrection, appearing to his disciples. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And also, I want to read just one verse from the Gospel of Matthew 16, 19, chapter 16, verse 19. Uh, and the scripture here, Jesus is talking to Peter. Uh, Peter has famously just made his confession saying, Jesus, I know that you are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. Okay, and so Jesus is responding to what Peter has said here. And Jesus says to him, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Because of that verse in Matthew 16, uh, this doctrine of confession and forgiveness in the church is often referred to as the office of the keys or the doctrine of the keys. Right? Because Jesus says he's giving the keys of the kingdom to Peter. Right? And he says these keys mean that you can bind on earth uh, and you can loose on earth and it will be loosed in heaven or bound in heaven. 
that's language to say you can forgive sins or you can retain people's sins. You can tell the people that their sins are not forgiven. All right, that's the power here that he's conferring to Peter. And in the Gospel of John that we read, this post-Easter story, uh, the setup here, the disciples are locked away in a room and they're scared. First, it says that they're afraid of the Jews. They're afraid that, that, that the Jews and that the leaders who crucified Christ are going to come after them as well. Uh, but there's also this undertone of which surely they're ashamed of themselves. Right? They're embarrassed of themselves because when Christ is arrested, when he's crucified, they run away. They hide themselves. So they're ashamed. Surely they're feeling guilty. And now there's also this uh, rumor going around and, and uh, this discussion about them. Well, Jesus is raised from the dead. He's resurrected. Right? And if Jesus has come back after we abandon him, then surely we're in a lot of trouble. Uh, and so they're locked away because it's not apparent to them right away that meeting Jesus is completely good for them. Right? What if Jesus is going to rebuke them? What if he's going to ask them, where were you? Uh, but when he comes to them, he doesn't do that. His word to them is, peace be with you. Right? He's telling them that they're forgiven. There's peace. He's not coming to them with revenge on his mind, with judgment or wrath on his mind, but he's coming to them with peace in mind. He's absolving them. He's forgiving them of their sins. He's forgiving them of their betrayal. And so then he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Right? So here Christ is telling these disciples, all right, you have a job to do. Right? I am sending you out to do something. Right? And this is what he sends them out to do. He gives them the Holy Spirit. He breathes the Holy Spirit on them. And then says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Right? Part of what Jesus is sending them out to do is to forgive sins to proclaim the forgiveness of sins, yes, but he says very specifically, if you forgive the sins of any. Right? So he's giving them the job and the authority to tell people that their sins are forgiven. So that's what Christ is giving through the apostles. That's what Christ wants his church to do in this world. And so pronouncing forgiveness on sinners Absolving sinners is what it means partly to share in Jesus' resurrected life as we live in this life. Right? The good news of Jesus' resurrection is that we are forgiven, that we're promised eternal life. Right? That the consequences of our sin have been taken by Christ himself, and so we're forgiven. Right? That's the promise also that's given to you at your baptism that promise that your sins are washed away, that you're forgiven. But Christ here is sending his apostles out saying, you get to share in this pronouncement of forgiveness. As I have done this for you, you get to do this for others. You get to tell sinners that their sins 
are forgiven. Uh, and so that looks like many different things in the church. Sometimes that looks like preaching a sermon. In a sermon, a preacher can tell you that your sins are forgiven. That happens at baptism, as we've talked about. Uh, in our worship and in our services, all of our, all of our services on Sunday begin with confession and absolution, right? Uh, and not just general words of, you forgive your faults, you say I've done wrong, but very specifically, you confess your sins before the service, and then very specifically, a pastor says to you, I forgive you, right? And, and so part of our identity as Christians is embracing this gift that Christ has given to the church. He wants you to hear this word that you're forgiven. Um, so with kind of that Bible background, I want to look at the, at the catechism. And so in your hymnal, it's page 1165. All right, so... The way the catechism is arranged, we have the explanation on holy baptism, and then underneath that explanation, how people are to be taught to confess. Uh, I'll talk about this in a second, but uh, this is in Luther's original small catechism. Many of the catechism editions that were printed after Luther died, and many of the ones that were used in America, took this part out. Um, and so it's very likely, I don't know, but for some of you who went through catechism, you may have used an edition of the catechism that left out the part on confession. However, Luther did write it, and it is in his original catechism. All right, but we see this, how people are taught to, how people are to be taught to confess. All right, what is Confession. So confession consists of two parts. One is that we confess our sins. The other is that we receive the absolution, that is forgiveness, from the pastor as from God himself, and by no means doubt but firmly believe that our sins are thereby forgiven before God in heaven. And then which sins is a person to confess? Before God, one is to acknowledge the guilt for all sins, even those of which we are not aware, as we do in the Lord's Prayer, However, before the pastor, we are to confess only those sins of which we have knowledge and which trouble us. And which sins are these? Here, reflect on your place in life in light of the Ten Commandments, whether you are father, mother, son, daughter, master, mistress, servant, whether you have been disobedient, unfaithful, lazy, whether you've harmed anyone by word or deed, whether you have stolen, neglected, wasted, or injured anything. All right, so what Luther has in mind, as you can see, is specifically confessing your sins to a pastor. Uh, but specifically what he has in mind as he writes the catechism is individual confession and absolution. Uh, we, of course, start every service with a public, uh, what's called a corporate confession and absolution. Uh, and that's perfectly valid and that's uh, 
perfect way to hear the words of forgiveness and to hear the gospel. But Luther didn't want to do away with the practice of private confession. Uh, and the reason is, is because there's a moment in private confession and absolution where you get to hear very specifically forgiveness for the sins which trouble you. Right? Anything that's weighing on your conscience, you can hear God's word of forgiveness for you. Right? And it's always that for you that makes the gospel. Uh, we can say that we believe in Christ. We can believe that Christ has died for us. Right? But it doesn't become truly the gospel until we know that Christ is for us, that he has died for you. And so there's power in that for you when we talk about the gospel. And an individual confession, it's that opportunity for you to hear the words directly for you. And again, it's not that a public confession and absolution is inadequate in any way. Uh, but Luther wanted to keep, and the Lutherans kept individual confession as that opportunity to really confirm to you that for you of forgiveness. Right? Because in the worship service, you don't really get to say aloud any kind of sin that's bothering you. Right? The pastor is speaking generally to everybody. Uh, and that's good, and you want to put... Put confidence in that but when your conscience is really troubled luther said well we're going to keep individual confession so that you know that this is forgiveness for you it's not general but it's very specific to you right, so luther here in the catechism tells us that when we hear a pastor tell us we're forgiven we want to hear those words as if we're hearing them from God himself. Right? And what he's getting at uh, is that the voice of the pastor is that external means by which God is delivering his word. Right? I hammered this over and over the last two weeks in baptism. The baptism is not simply plain water, but water connected to God's word of promise. Right? God puts his word of promise into external things. Uh, and so as he puts his word of promise into water, and we'll talk next week about how he puts his word of promise into bread and wine, he also is going to put his word of promise into the voice of a preacher. Uh, and so what we see is that God is taking the most common things in the world, right? Water, the most common substance in the world, bread and wine, the most common foods in the world. The voice of a preacher who's a sinner, a voice of a sinner, and he's putting his word into it. Right? He wants us to have this word. He wants us to know it and be confident in it. So he puts it into common external means so that we will have it. So when the pastor is speaking the words of forgiveness to you, when the pastor says, your sins are forgiven. He's not inventing something new. He's not acting on his own authority. Uh, he's not acting because he has some special spiritual ability. Right? He's acting because of God's word. He's speaking the words of Christ to you. 
right? And so it's not that, that pastors are somehow mystically and spiritually able to do this because they have some great power. Rather, it's because Christ has said that his word will be in the forgiveness of these pastors, right? And so it's not that there's anything special in a pastor's voice. It's all in God's word that God's word puts there. Uh, and in part of the humility of all of this for all of us is to know that, gosh, you're going to hear words of forgiveness from a sinner, right? That's one of the objections uh, and a good objection to confession. Uh, people who are unfamiliar with Lutheran practice or Lutheran belief, they come into a Lutheran service and they hear a pastor say, I forgive you all of your sins. They say, well, who's that guy, right? Who's he to forgive sins? He's just like me. There's nothing special about him. And yeah, that's right. There is nothing special about him. Uh, there's nothing especially holy about him. Uh, nothing that really sets him apart except that he's speaking the words that Christ has given him to speak. And so it's God's word. Uh, We'll see this in our gospel reading for this Sunday, even, from John chapter 9. It's the story of Jesus healing a blind man. Uh, and if you remember this story, Jesus bends down and he picks up some dirt and spits in it and he makes mud and he puts mud on the blind man's eyes to heal him. After he washes, it heals him. Uh, God can use common substances, right, like mud, to bring about his healing and forgiveness. And so indeed, your pastor, your preacher, uh, is mud, is a sinner, uh, but God uses that to bring about his promises. And so it's not that the pastor has to be set apart, it is that the pastor is bringing the promises of Christ. So individual confession itself, as Luther says, is an opportunity to hear forgiveness for sins which trouble you. It's not a remuneration of your sins. Uh, so in the Roman Catholic practice of individual confession, the idea is that you need, you have to confess all of the sins that you're aware of uh, and you have to confess all the big sins, the mortal sins, if you want to be in a state of grace, if you want to receive the sacrament. Uh, and so, you know, if you go to confession, ideally any big thing that you can think of that you've ever done, you have to say it to the priest if you're a Roman Catholic. Uh, and so famously in Luther's story, this drove him crazy. Because he was so aware of his own sins, his own scruples, his own problems, he would leave confession and 10 minutes later remember that, gosh, I had angry thoughts about another friar, right? Or I had impure thoughts, or I was lazy just yesterday, I just forgot about that. So he would go back to his confessor and he would drive the priest confessor crazy, trying to remember all of his sins and speak them over and over. Right, Luther says, that's not what we're talking about here. 
It's not a requirement that you're listing out all of your sins and everything you can think of. Instead, it's the opportunity to take those things which really bother you, those things which you really struggle with, the things which the devil might use against you uh, to make you doubt your own faith. It's about taking those things and hearing that they are forgiven. Uh, and so confession and absolution and private confession and absolution, it's not a requirement. It's not a work that you do. It's not something you have to do to get right with God. It's simply an opportunity to hear the gospel for you. It's that opportunity to have confirmed to you the promise that was made to you at baptism. So Luther says, it's a good practice, and you can use the Ten Commandments to examine yourself if you need to. Uh, if you just want to see where you are spiritually, are there particular sins that you struggle with, look at the Ten Commandments. Right? Is there one particular one that you're struggling with? Is there one that's causing you doubt? Uh, well, then confess it if it's bothering your conscience. Right? If there's one thing struggling with, confess it. Hear the, hear the forgiveness of Christ and have that confidence that he has saved you. Uh, another aspect of this is that uh, fundamentally confessing to a pastor is for good order of the church and for confidence. Right? As a pastor, I've taken particular vows to hear confessions, and so I have an obligation moral and spiritual obligation to never divulge what's told to me in a confession. Uh, and so it's completely confidential and secret. Um, and so the reason that we say, you know, a pastor can hear confession, a pastor can absolve, is so first off you have that confidence that what you say to a pastor, it will never be divulged. Um, it's uh, completely in confidence. But this doesn't mean that all Christians can't absolve others. Uh, when Christ gives this gift of being able to say, I forgive sins, I absolve, he's giving it to the church. Um, and so all Christians can forgive sins. All Christians can absolve. Uh, pastors have a particular vocation and how that works. But everyone can do it. And so this is really practical and a good thing to remember uh, as a Christian. And so sometimes if you listen to people and you listen carefully, you'll hear that they're almost begging you to absolve them. They'll tell you their faults. They'll tell you your past. They'll talk about the struggles that they've had. And sometimes they just want to hear from you that God forgives them. They want to hear words of absolution from you. So often in that situation where people are telling us their secrets and their struggles, the easy thing is to give them advice. Right? Someone tells me, well, I'm struggling with this particular sin. It's easy to give them advice and to say, okay, well, why don't you do this and this? People don't really come to you for advice. Uh, we occasionally will go to doctors or mechanics or professionals for advice. But when people are pouring out their souls to you, if you're ever in that situation, 
They're probably not coming to you for advice. They want to hear God's love from you. And so if you have that opportunity to say, I know you're struggling with this thing in your life or this sin, but hear this, that God forgives you, God loves you. Right? That can really open up their heart. That can really connect them to God. Uh, and so when, if you're ever in that situation where people are, are saying something to you about their soul, be careful not to fall right away into advice. But be ready to share God's forgiveness with them. Uh, lastly here, all right, so this, in theory, all of this sounds good. All right, Luther taught this. It's in our Lutheran confessions, this individual uh, and private confession. Uh, but it's clearly in the Lutheran tradition. Uh, it's a good opportunity to preach the gospel. All right, so what happened to private confession in the Lutheran church in America? Uh, because I'm guessing that for most of you who grew up Lutheran, it's a foreign practice. Uh, I doubt it's really ever been done here before as a regular sustained practice. In nearly every Lutheran church in America, it fell into disuse. It wasn't a regular practice. Uh, and really, there are two reasons. The first and more obvious one is the fear of looking and being Roman Catholic. Uh, Lutherans were very sensitive to this, especially German Lutherans. Uh, German Lutherans wanted to look American. Uh, in a lot of ways, they didn't want to seem unpatriotic. They didn't want to seem like foreigners. They wanted to fit into kind of the culture of America. Well, throughout much of American history, Roman Catholics were not seen as true Americans or loyal or patriotic. Um, and so a lot of times Lutherans instinctively would try to separate themselves from Roman Catholic practices. And so an individual confession is an obvious one. Right? It's something that no one else but Catholics really do. Really do. Um, and so it fell away as being too Catholic or a fear of well, are people going to understand confession as something you have to do to get saved, to be saved? Um, and so with that fear, a lot of churches kind of went away from it. Uh, and they were happy with saying, okay, we'll just do the corporate confession in the service, but we don't need private confession. Uh, the other aspect is in America, you had evangelical revivalism. Right, through much of 19th century America, religion, especially religion on the frontier in the West, so much of Ohio, the Midwest, uh, religion was very revivalistic and evangelical in flavor. And so the emphasis was on having a crisis moment where you would go to the altar rail or to the anxious bench, and there you would confess your sins, and there you would know that you were saved because you had this experience. Um, and so in a lot of Lutheran churches, that kind of perspective kind of came into the culture. Uh, and so it became less important to really have a practice of confession. Um, and for a lot of Lutherans, it became more important to have more of a crisis moment. Uh, and with that came this culture of testimonies um, in fact, I grew up in a tradition where every Wednesday night 
we met for church only for testimonies. All right, you would stand up and speak how you've been saved, what sins you've been delivered from. You would give your testimony. Uh, and so that kind of culture of, well, private confessions given way to public testimony uh, also kind of creeped in in some circles. And so just in general, the practice itself fell away, and it wasn't seen as really a good thing. It was seen more of a hindrance. Okay, but when we go back to Luther, we see that it's really and simply about hearing the gospel for you. It's about hearing God's promise. It's not meant to be a work uh, to make you right with God. Um, it's not meant to be a practice to embarrass you or to put fear into you or to create accountability. Simply a way for you to hear God's forgiveness so that you can be confident in his promises. Uh, with my last few minute, minutes here, what I want to do is to look in the hymnal. So if you follow with me, on page 243, all right, here is the rite or the service of individual confession and forgiveness. Uh, there are a couple introductory paragraphs there that are good. If you ever open to it, if you have a hymnal at home, uh, those are pretty good introductions to the practice. But I want to talk about, well, what if I were to come to individual confession, if I were to do this, what actually would happen? And so typically what would happen is I would be seated here, you would come in, we would close the door, it would be confidential. And the service itself begins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So I would be seated next to you as I say that. Then I would say these words, you have come to make confession before God. You are free to confess before me, a pastor in the church of Christ, sins of which you are aware and which trouble you. And here, if you were the one confessing, you would start here. You would say, merciful God, I confess that I have sinned in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I've left undone. Familiar words. Uh, but here would be your opportunity if there were a particular sin uh, that you wanted to get off your conscience, that you wanted to confess, you would do that at that point. Or if there was more than one sin, whatever is weighing on you, that would be your opportunity to confess. Now I will say also that you don't have to have something to confess here. You don't have to have your own words. You don't have to speak anything if you don't want, right? Because this is about hearing the gospel, the words of forgiveness for you. So if you have nothing particular to confess, that's perfectly okay. If you just want to hear the words for you, uh, that's, that's perfectly, perfectly good. Okay, so you would, uh, if you had a confession to make, you would say it there. And then you would say, I repent of all my sins, known and unknown, unknown. I am truly sorry, and I pray for forgiveness. I firmly intend to amend my life and to seek help in mending what is broken. I ask for strength to turn from sin and to serve you in newness of life. At this point, if there was any way to counsel you, I would counsel you. Um, I would share words of comfort with you, so reminding you of the gospel. Uh, if it was a particular sin where it would benefit you to think about how to pay back someone 
uh, how to make a situation right. We would talk about, you know, what that might look like. Um, and so it would just be a conversation there if needed and if necessary. But it would mostly be non-judgmental and mostly speaking words of comfort from scripture and reminding you of the gospel. At that point, I would say to you, cling to this promise, the word of forgiveness I speak to you comes from God. So your name in obedience to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then I would say words of peace to you, the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Then it's over. Um, and it would never be spoken of again, at least on my end. Um, that's how the service goes. So if you ever decide that you would make use of it, that would be something good for you, that you would want to hear those words of forgiveness, that's what you would expect. So with that, next two weeks, we will finish up the catechism on the sacraments. So we'll talk about Holy Communion over the next two weeks. So our service continues on page 314. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by the Son.
continuing on 316 with the prayers. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For the health of the creation, for abundant harvest that all may share, and for peaceful times, let us pray to the Lord. For public servants, the government, and those who protect us, for those who work to bring peace, justice, healing, and protection in this and every place, let us pray to the Lord. For those who travel, for those who are sick and suffering, and for those who are in captivity, let us pray to the Lord. For deliverance in the time of affliction, wrath, danger, and need, let us pray to the Lord. For all servants of the church, for this assembly, and for all people who await from the Lord great and abundant mercy, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Giving thanks for all who have gone before us and are at rest. Rejoicing in the communion of all the saints, we commend ourselves, one another, and our whole life to you. Through Christ our Lord, to you, O Lord, let us pray. O God, from whom comes all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may live in peace and quietness, through Jesus Christ our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen.
in peace. Christ is with you. Thanks be to God.